Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast here to help inspire more people to discover and love the arts. I'm Ben Eshmaid and this week we're delving once again into our archive, looking back to May 2018 and Sounds and Visions, curated by composer Max Richter and artist Julia Marr. And with them, I'm exploring the meeting point between sound, vision, literature, dance and film. You know, everything connects to everything, I think, mm. in terms of creativity. Well, I love the fact that it's such an adventure. I love, I love Max's curiosity and the fact that mm. every, everything is an, an experiment and a, a journey. On the second of two podcasts, we speak to director Ari Folman. I think all films are very personal and I think whatever you do in a film, you close a circle in your life. A musician and founder of the Chinookay Orchestra, Chichi Wanaku. As I walked back to Waterloo Station, I kind of looked to my right and to my left and then I, and I said no. No, it's me. I've got to do something about that. They'll be speaking about the live score performance of animated documentary Waltz with Bashir. First, though, Max and Yulia continued our conversation. I mean, every project, every idea has its hinterland. And actually, you know, that's one of the most interesting things about it. You know, where's it come from? How's it joined up with other things? Mm. Um, and yeah, both in the music program and, and the film program, you know, we've tried to we tried to, you know, draw out those lineages. Um, I think Caterina Barbieri, I think, is a really interesting, sort of quite tough-minded, sort of uh, analog synth <laughs> person. Really, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Clem Singer, mm-hmm. organ music, that'll be interesting. I think Colin Stetson's new project, XI. Oh, yeah. Um, which that's, I, that's going to be loud. That yeah. is going to be loud. <laughs> that is going to be loud. I don't think they've played in the UK before. Uh, Roomful of Teeth haven't played in the UK before either, right? First yeah. time the parties, I couldn't believe it. It's the first time the parties mm. have been performed yeah. in the UK. Yeah. It's like, wow, how the hell? So, yeah. So lots of, lots of new, new and or, or at least unknown things mm. coming up. So exciting. Horizontally and vertically, the, diamond, points, gray, the wall is bordered and divided oh, into four equal parts. Through. A red diagonal line, 
we've touched on synthesizers, obviously, mm. Caitlin, um, and but there's also the Will Gregory and the Moog Ensemble. Yeah. The Switched On Bark albums, I presume, were quite important for you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm look, you know, I'm I'm a synthesizer junkie. I freely admit, and and you know, I did. I heard those records, and I was just like, oh, that's amazing. It's crazy. I mean, they're sort of they're kind of in a way like a lot of early electronic music. They sort of hover between incredible and kind of cheesy. You know, in the way that some of the Kraftwerk stuff is sort of deliberately sort of a bit clunky or funny. You know, there's always a slight sort of twinkle of humor about it. And I, I think some of the Switch on Bach is a bit like that as well. And I mean, apart from the fact that they, you know, they're amazingly played, very clever, huge amount of effort went into them. But yeah, I loved those records when I was a kid. that I programmed the Powers of Ten because you liked it as a kid as well. Right, okay. That's why it's in there. Oh, <laughs> you think of you as a 10-year-old with your switched on bar. It's also the Powers of Ten. <clears throat> right, well, that film's amazing, but actually the score is utterly bizarre. So yeah. Elmer Bernstein, electronic score. Wow. His only electronic score. And <laughs> you might think for a good reason, you know, because it's just like really, <laughs> it's a really strange score. You know that Charles Eames said about the, the film that he wanted a 10-year-old to be able to appreciate the film. And that made me think about you right, and how much well, you'd I, loved it and yeah. as a 10-year-old, really. I did. Yeah. The picnic near the lakeside in Chicago is the start of a lazy afternoon, early 1 October. We begin with a scene one meter wide, which we view from just one meter away. Now every 10 seconds we will look from 10 times farther away and our field of view will be 10 times wider. Do you see barriers again in regards to both your artwork? In regards to who should who should see them? I mean, there's an interesting concert um, at the end of uh, of the series where your box, I think, has been travelling yeah. around schools, and and I, that looks like whether that that would be the most revolutionary part of the of the festival. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, it, it's been really interesting that. So the Barbican Box Project, of which this is the sort of latest iteration, is a wonderful idea where you basically get to make to get a box and fill it with stuff which you think will catalyze sort of young people to make creative work, to make music. And so we just filled it with stuff. And uh, the kids have come along with some amazing responses to that. Very personal and uh, great, you know, so exciting. We're going to see all these performances Mm -hmm. of their own work. Uh, made in response to this material we didn't put in the box. So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's a thrill. And we're so excited about that bit, aren't yeah. we? Because we mm. we both arrived in this country as children who didn't speak English. And we both were fairly sort of ostracised our respective schools because of that. I was, mm. I was nine, I think, when I, eight or nine when I came to this country and Max was a bit younger. But, but we both found refuge in our art teachers or music teachers and who, who kind of allowed us to... Mm just survive in a way that mm. experience and and um obviously we've talked about that a lot in our you know conversations over the years but what was so beautiful about this project in a way is it's talking about that too you know it's 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 letting the kids tell their personal stories some of which will be similar to ours or much more difficult stories perhaps literally music and art saved me when i was a child and 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 allowed me to survive and and i think that's the thing it's so rich and and to read or to see art about other people's personal mm. journeys and that possibly unifies a lot of artists on this on, on the weekend in the sense that you don't necessarily need all the information yeah. about them. Yeah. You just need to walk into the concert and you will soon get a reaction to, to what they're producing. Yeah, I mean, that's the wonderful thing, isn't it, about, about creative work. It has a kind of a directness. It's a one-to-one conversation. Um, and, you know, if people come in, you know, without preconceptions, 
you get these wonderful surprises, don't you? And and that, I think there's something there's something very kind of authentic and fundamental about about sort of that creative response, that creative conversation, which is, yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of the sort of richest experiences we can have as as human beings. to mention Waltz with Bashir. You've obviously done a lot now of film music and film associations. Yeah, I mean, I at that time I hadn't scored any films. Oh, really? And this was really um, a sort of cold call from Ari. You know, he sent me an email. I've written, you know, I've written this film. I've been listening to your music. Now you've got to score the film. Um, but they, they sent, uh, Ari sent me a, a trailer, uh, which he'd cut together of uh, about 90 seconds of animation. And I was just floored, you know. I thought it was spectacular. And uh, obviously, you know, then invest reading the script and coming to an understanding of the themes and the, the, the storytelling language. I, I just thought it was uh, really a masterpiece and, you know, obviously something I wanted to do. After the 1982 invasion of Lebanon, I lost my memory. Now, in order to remember, I'm looking for those can never forget. Director of Waltz with Bashir, Ari Folman. I think all films are very personal and I think whatever you do in a film, you close a circle in your life. Uh, even it can be very much related to you, like this film is like autobiography, okay, so it's about me. But this is a rare example. It's like how many films are told like this one? It, it, it's always personal. Any kind of filmmaking is personal, in my opinion. I, when I ever do movies, I always try to open my mind as much as I can and not come with a concept, not going like with strict ideas of what I want to do. So basically, I, I advertise in the internet that I'm looking for stories. This was the word, stories from the first Lebanon war, because since then there was another one. And from the first three months, and I got a response from more than 400 ex-soldiers. And I got some unbelievable stories. It took a year to record and hear everybody. And then I just, I thought that the only way to deal with it was to do it on a very personal level. And I eliminated like 95% of the material just to stay with the people that gave me one strict story to deal with. I always knew it's going to be animate, animated anyhow. Before I started, I already took the decision it's going to be animated. The animation you mentioned there, what does that bring? The animation gives you a great opportunity to deal 
with the subject of memory, of dreams, hallucinations, conscious, subconscious, lost fears, and still stay focused. I'm sure that we wouldn't be sitting here talking if it wasn't an animated movie. It would never grab the attention. And it was just a good language, I think, to treat a subject like this. First, we thought about the colors that will dictate the entire movie. And we decided that it's gonna be orange and, and dark colors and black from the, what we call the super scene, which is the dream about Beirut. And this dictated the entire atmosphere of the movie. From there on, you know, it was um, just making the movie, but we knew the feeling very early, in a very early stage. It's done with the most simple software that you can find, especially back then. It's like, it's Flash, you know? Every kid could download it and do his tricks on it. And we managed with six animators and basically one designer to make a, a feature film that went all the way to the American Oscars. So I think we were on the wave of, of, of an invention because we come from a society and a country there's no tradition at all of animation, nothing. And we were like pioneers. And it's good because you don't have a path to follow at all. And you feel very, very free to, to do all the tests you want to do. I need to move on to the music. What brought Max Richter into the picture? Well, I wrote this, this script and it's, it's like unbelievable, but I wrote it in four days. I went to a hut in the Galilee and I, I had the research and I knew what I wanted to do. And I wrote, this, I wrote the script. During that period of time, that few days, I don't know why, but I listened only to a couple of Max Richter's the albums I had back then. It was 2004, I think it was. The Blue Notebook and Memory House. Basically, he he was writing the score for the screenplay, although he never knew it, right? Because I was deeply influenced from this. I uh, when I finished it, I I looked looked for him in the internet. He had a website, and I wrote him this very short letter. And I'm an Israeli filmmaker, and I told him this story. Probably it sounds really really stupid. And I told him, since you conducted the music for the, for the script, maybe you want to write the music for the entire movie. And he said something, yeah, why not? So I said, okay, can we meet? He said, yeah, come over. I'm in Edinburgh. And we never spoke, by the way. Never by the phone, nothing. I took a plane and I went to Edinburgh and we met. And uh, this was the first time we met. We sat a few days with the animatic, the video boards. There was no animation back then. And it was like very easy. It was like love, love from first sight, like really easy. He did the sketches in two, three weeks. He recorded it like at the end of the process. And it was like really fantastic, fantastic collaboration for me.
it was interesting because obviously I'd never really had any intention of working in film. So really? I had not at all. And uh, so I, I had no idea how to do it, really. So it was an interesting sort of lab process, you know, me sort of basically finding out how to write f a music for a film by writing music for a film. <laughs> and uh, it was a wonderful sort of collaborative uh, a journey, actually. Didn't you guys, didn't Ari come over and you guys spent four days talking about Bob Dylan? That was the sum total of the, the spotting <laughs> session, which is never, nowadays spotting sessions don't happen like that, do they, Max? <laughs> it, was, it was. I mean, Ari is a cool guy, you know, and we just, yeah, we went out and, you know, had some beer and we just sort of chatting and, and then that was it, you know. It was it was great. Um, and interesting because the Chinake Orchestra will be performing that as well. I mean, I became aware of Chinake, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago, something like that, when they started. And I mean, they're a fantastic orchestra. And, uh, you know, just a you know, really first division band on that score. I mean, it'd yeah. be really in interesting. Next, I spoke to Chichi Wanaku. It comes from the east of Nigeria, the southeast of Nigeria, the Igbo people. Uh, it's an Igbo word. The Igbo people, in their language, the word chi means god or guardian. And they believe that every single person on the earth has their own unique guardian that guides you from your cradle to the coffin. Neke means um, the creation of all good things, even the rain, the trees, the grass, and all diverse aspects. And therefore, chineke together kind of means the spirit of all good creation. And it's used often in the Igbo language as a real exclamation of something amazing. When, when something alarming or amazing happens, or sort of a gasp of excitement, they, they'll, they might say, Chineke. And that's why I always have the exclamation mark after the word, to sort of lift it. Was there one particular moment where you decided you needed to form this orchestra or was it a feeling, something that grew inside you? A bit of both for the answer to that question. Of course, I'd been aware that I operated as a sort of single entity as far as ethnicity was concerned in classical music and in orchestras throughout my entire career. I was going to hear the Kinshasa Orchestra from the Congo playing at the Africa Utopia Festival, the Royal Festival Hall, in September 2014. As I walked back to Waterloo Station at, afterwards, I kind of looked to my right and to my left and then I, and I said, no, no, it's me. I've got to do something about that. The Monday morning, I was on the phone to everyone, South Bank, Barbican, Government, British Council, Conservatoires UK, and I just announced that I was going to create an organisation that actually tackled this issue of the lack of visibility of people of black and minority ethnic in our sector of the creative industries. And that, so Chinake really literally went off in my head at that concert. One 
of the things that several people have said to me, how did you recruit? Well, I got to know people, um, you know, some of, some of the people in the orchestra are international soloists, you know, like Ty Murray, who's leading. In fact, she led the first concert. She's leading Waltz with Bashir as well. I knew of her. She's American and she now lives in Berlin. So I had one or two people that I kind of knew, but they didn't live in England. I hadn't ever played with them before. I recognised very right from the start that the Chinnike Orchestra, the professional orchestra, was going to do something right at the very beginning, which would kind of challenge the status quo. And at the same time, immediately change perceptions of whoever comes to hear the concert will see the concert as well won't have seen an orchestra looking like this before you know there were 62 musicians in our very first concert and we represented 31 nationalities and it looks largely people of color it's majority people of color but you know bangladesh sri lanka india pakistan caribbean islands african countries i'm nigerian irish you know born in England. And so there's so many combinations amongst us, so many mixtures, no one section or even no one stand is from the same ethnic background. With Chinnike, from our very first concert, we knew we'd sold out, but I didn't know who was going to be in the audience. And walking out onto the stage for the first time in my life, playing Beethoven and Samuel Coleridge-Taylor and Brahms, we were faced with a packed out hall of an audience that looked like the community that we live in. I think they, again, obviously sort of embody this idea of creativity and as being a social project, those two things sort of going hand in hand. And I guess we felt this was an ideal opportunity um, to give them a different kind of platform, mm. you know, um, because they've done a lot of traditional repertoire and they've sort of played proms and stuff like that. So this was a way to, yeah, connect them into, you know, a different, uh, a different kind of situation and also... I mean, for us, it's wonderful to have, you know, really first division band on that score. I mean, it'd yeah. be really in interesting. I think it's going to be, because they're not the original band, it's going to be so interesting to see what they bring to the score, because obviously mm. it's going to sound very different from mm. the original band who were mm. kind of quite under your under your instruction at the time and you were quite on it. And now you're going to be sitting in the audience just watching this <laughs> band take over. And, and uh, Well, and yeah. I mean, I mean they're, you say original band, but I mean, they're, they're almost, I mean, there were five instrumentalists on the score for Waltz with yeah. Bashir. Because there was no money. It was like no money at all. So it's basically just me sweating with the samplers for like months on end trying to make this, wow. trying to make it sound like about, you know, 80 players. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, all, it's, okay. all, it's always really <laughs> They're nice. Up against the machines. It's always really nice to hear it. Well, we've played it live a couple of times and it's wonderful to hear it with real players. Yeah. I was thinking about memories of Waltz Bashir for me are, are being incredibly poor and having yeah. no money and trying to raise two kids on no money and the composer's. You know, wow. existence <laughs> in a Napster era was just like hellish, wasn't it?
you are very fortunate that your music has caught on, that it is now, it's everywhere to, to, to a certain extent, which is, is a beautiful thing. But you, you have, like this festival, you have been given a platform. So you're not, I presume you're not taking that for granted. No way. No, I mean, it's a huge privilege. Hmm. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. To be in the position I'm, I'm in, you know, I mean, it's to be able to pursue your enthusiasms and, and just sort of make work and, and have people hear it at all, to be honest, is, is incredible. And I, I sort of still kind of can't quite believe that that's going on. And I mean, I've sort of always felt a little bit that there, there is a sort of, um, there's a kind of a psychological ecology or something, uh, principle that you might, you might call it that, to do with like trying to put things out that you can stand behind from sort of every aspect, you know, not just the kind of musical aesthetic aspect, but maybe the, the sort of social political aspect as well. And that's informed a lot of the choices I've made in terms of, you know, cinema projects. I mean, the, you know, from, from Waltz to sort of uh, Vajda to Laura, all these sorts of projects which have a kind of social dimension. Mm. Miss Sloan, you know, all these kinds of things. That's always part of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in general, it's always a, a kind of a, a bit of a miracle that people are listening, to be honest. You know, we're always just listening to stuff and exploring. I mean, that's the great thing about, you know, working in, in sort of creative disciplines is that it's, it's always just experiments, you know. You don't really know where you're going. I mean, that's the nice thing about it, though. You have quite an internal journey with music, don't you? It's really about a lot of your music is about your own life and your own journey. And, I mean, you have music going on in your head the whole time. It's quite... We program people who aren't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, everything connects to everything, I think, mm. in terms of creativity. And, and um, you know, these are all things that I'm enthusiastic about or love or I've always wanted to hear or I'm curious about. And, I mean, yeah. that sort of curiosity is, is really the thing that drives us, I would say, you know, about... Uh, and sort of making connections, you know. And you, There are all sorts of strands in, in the festival from, you know, the idea of, you know, the synthesizer, which is 
a kind of a lab to other stuff like, you know, there's a lot of Bach sort of hovering around one way and another. Or we've got, you know, music and image collisions, where, mm. you know, like uh, Waltz with Bashir or Clark has done for the uh, oh, yeah. Stan Brackage. There's all kinds of... Uh, Obviously, as art- artists, we're all living through this time, aren't we? This very taxing time, politically. <laughs> And it's about what do you do about that? I mean, obviously, you can make art about these social situations, which Max has been doing for 20-odd years. But there's also living it as an artist, isn't it? Kind of living what you believe in. And mm. and I think everybody has to take that stand. You know, we, we believe in in an exi- a society of acceptance and, and, and diversity as a fact. I mean, how can you even question it? And, and this festival is also about that somehow. It's also mm. about, you know, like there are young people, there are older people, there are established people, there are people coming up. You know, there are all sorts of connections in and all sorts of different ways. on an equal and, level as well. On, absolutely, because of course it should be on an equal level. I mean, that's what that's what's amazes me, that, that people think that it shouldn't be on an equal level somehow. And I think... Traditionally, all art forms, there's been a lot of kind of, that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that's good, and, and a kind of differentiation, and I'm on this camp, and I'm on that camp, and, well, maybe there was a space and time for that, I never really believed in that, but maybe there was a space and time for that, but now there isn't really, I mean, you have to really live what, what you believe, and, and as artists, and I think most artists do believe in, a, in an inequality. And You know, people don't encounter work via categories. I don't think anyone wants to think of themselves as limited. You know, I only like this or I only like that. Or, you know, I mean, actually, people are just, you know, naturally sort of go beyond boundaries. They pursue their enthusiasms. They they get into stuff that they love. And it's, you know, that's, you can't like prescribe that. And uh, I think that's, you know, one of the sort of points I guess the program's making is it's very broad. It's very interdisciplinary. It's got a lot of, you know, sort of jumpy stuff in it, which uh, hopefully will sort of provoke, you know, and I think that's that's part of it too. If you enjoyed this podcast, do go back and listen to the first edition, which alongside the curators, I chatted with Caitlin, Aurelia Smith and Jaylin. He thinks before he writes, if I had to say, or I should say he really thinks before he puts it out. I think it it takes wisdom to write in that manner. I hope you enjoyed those interviews. So I've been living with Max's music for such a long time. It's hard to imagine a world without those violin melodies, organ arpeggios or the slow reverberating bass drum sound. Back in the early 2000s, it made me realise there could be a new kind of classical music, one that was exhilarating, emotional and highly addictive. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of the podcast. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.